Welcome back to Yard Jockeys. I'm your esteemed host, David Arsenal. Today we have with us Jason Miller, our first repeat guest. He's going to tell us how has the year progressed so far? Any surprises or is it what he expected? All the economic and freight data will be here today. Come join us. All right. Welcome back, Jason. You are the first repeat podcast guest in our infamous six-month history here on Yard Jockeys. Um, we thought it would be a good idea to have you back since you started off our year kind of and you made a, you know, a few predictions on how the year would progress. So we thought we'd have you back, see what's gone the way you thought it would go, what's maybe been a little bit different. You've been keeping us updated with your monthly report, which I read them all so I could be ready for this meeting here. Um, so let's start with since January, what has gone the way you thought it would? So I think, you know, since January, I, I think a lot of us were expecting sort of the freight market to move towards a normalization. And it seems that we have. Um, what I don't think anybody was expecting was just how quickly we would see line haul spot prices as they're reported, you know, really fall. I, I will still put the caveat that those line haul rates are still estimated by essentially removing an estimated fuel surcharge from an overall figure. So that's one thing to keep in mind is that how much rates have really fallen is, is a little bit more of an open question, especially when you look at the all-in rates. But there definitely was a fairly quick turn um, in the spot market. Capacity is clearly better than what it was six months ago. Tender rejection rates are substantially lower than what they were. But and this is the but, we're not settling in anywhere like 2019 levels. If you look okay. at load to truck ratios for dry van, they're still much elevated over 2019. Tender rejection rates are still elevated over 2019. Um, pricing data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics for the PPI program for trucking is showing rates still actually going up. Knew those are all in rates. So it doesn't seem yet that we're seeing the contract side experiencing too much pressure yet. So I know there are some uh, blood baths predict predicted. So you're saying we're not quite bathing in blood. No, I think <laughs> that we got some of the predictions a little, um, you know, too severe. You know, if you look at volume right now, there's no doubt that it's up from last year. I mean, freight weighted industrial production is up over 4% year over year, which may not sound like a lot, but that is still a massive increase. Imports are at record levels right now. Um, despite all this discussion that consumer spending is going to drop, we, the first half of this year is a new all-time record for import containerized imports. And there doesn't seem to be that much sign of things slowing down. Um, trucking employment is at the highest level we've ever had as of May, like period, end of story, no debate. And so the only way you can have record employment is you have to have record freight volume. Otherwise, we would not see carriers adding employees. And so it, it does just feel that the rate of growth this year in terms of overall volume isn't what we experienced last year because we were coming out of such a big hole. Right. And that's allowing the market to behave more normally. Okay. I remember last time we talked about, you know, 2021, when we were talking about driver shortage, a big contributor to that was how many drivers were going out on their own and becoming a, a new fleet. And you said that you would see some of those uh, go under or um, go bankrupt this year. Have we seen that? Or do we know if that's 
on its way? So we don't know yet, at least from the government data that I look at. I, I'll, I'll admit, I am a little suspicious of these very strong employment gains at carriers. It doesn't seem like this could be organic capacity. Some of this has to be individuals who broke off on their own now coming back to carriers and essentially mm -hmm. getting reclassified from self-employed to employees. Um, so there, there's certainly some aspect of that. And I know Journal of Commerce has reported a little bit on that from the drayage side. Um, I can remember reading an article there. So there has been some of that, but I think we're, we're still too early to see the bankruptcies. Um, we did see the rate of establishment growth in trucking, which is a good proxy for a true new entrance, slowed in the fourth quarter of 2021 after two record-setting quarters in two, Q2 2021 and Q3 2021. So again, it doesn't seem like we're going to be heading, though, into something like we saw in 2008 and 9, where we actually saw the net number of establishments fall. Right. It seems that we're entering a period where the rate of growth is going to slow over mm -hmm. the coming year. All right. Well, so if we look back at the first half of the year, we talked about kind of how things have gone and most of it is pretty much how you predicted, except maybe the timeline. Uh, have there been any big surprises over the first six months? I think to me, the biggest surprise has been how negative the views have become, developed about the overall economy. Um, when the data just isn't there really to support it. And so as an example, all of these discussions of, you know, inflation of gas prices will kill consumer spending. Well, you have to take into consideration, for example, the Federal Reserve Board estimates that the amount of um, checkable deposits, so checking accounts and currency held by the 50th to 90th percentile of households by wealth went from 350 billion pre-COVID to a trillion by the third quarter of 2021. So we're talking a 250% increase. We're not experiencing 250% inflation. And so th there seems to me to be this disconnect that people feel bad. You know, consumer sentiment is at an all-time low. And whenever I hear that, I ask somebody and say, are we in the Great Recession right now? because we are not. We are no. clearly not in the Great Recession where we were losing 900,000 jobs a month, yet people feel worse. And so my, my statement has been is, look at the data on how people are actually behaving. Look at retail sales adjusted for inflation. Look at industrial production. Look at housing starts. Housing starts, yes, the number from May was a seasonally adjusted decrease from April, but we're still well above 2019 and 2018 levels. Right. The amount of houses under construction is 55% above where it was in 2019 at this time. It's not like somebody's gonna stop building a house halfway through. And so for so many different sectors, it's not looking bad when you use 2019 or 2018 as a referent. Right. 2021 at this time was a stimulus-fueled buying spree in every sector. And so it's it's a nonsensical comparison to be making. Um, how much can sentiment affect just the overall market? You know, you talk about the sentiment, not necessarily matching the data, but can sentiment itself be a factor? 
So I would think it would be, and that's where I'm waiting to see it really show up in the data. But but again, we're just not necessarily seeing that, you know, retail sales, you know, last month, yes, they were a seasonally adjusted disappointment, but there's still 6% above where the long-term trend line would put us at, even adjusted for inflation. And so that's where I, I start looking and saying, okay, people may feel bad and the stock market may be getting hit and cryptocurrencies are getting hit, but it does seem that people are still buying. And so that, that's where there seems to be a little bit of this, this disconnect that exists and that I think not framing the inflation issue broadly in the context of inflation occurring after stimulus that is just unprecedented in economic history you taking the lessons from let's say to you know the early 1980s or certainly 2008 seems highly suspect because yes we experienced inflation in the first half of 2008 but the housing market was imploding right. and the financial system more broadly under our eyes right well you've made me feel better if, if that's any uh that helps you at all. Oh, and, 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 but, and this is the thing. My goal isn't to make people feel better. It's try to paint a more realistic right. picture of, oh, of, yeah. of where we're at. And what I would say right now is doom and gloom gets a lot of clicks. Mm-hmm. And I also feel that many outlets are very hesitant to publish articles that are positive because they're worried about appearing callous and saying, oh, inflation mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It's like, I'm not saying inflation doesn't matter or doesn't hit consumers. I'm right. certainly not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that the data isn't reflecting this broad pullback in spending that I see folks talking about. And for anybody watching this, the Bureau of Economic Analysis has amazing credit card transaction data that they update weekly that's publicly available. And I watch that very closely. And what you can still see is we're not seeing this transition to services as being argued. It's just not there as much. But what you are seeing is sporting goods sales are still 30 some percent above where the long-term trend line would have them at. And so there seems to be some more permanent behavioral shifts than I think people expected. I think I actually affected a couple percentage on the sporting goods there with my fishing fishing habits. (laughs) <laughs> I, I I know I did. We recently bought my uh, my daughter a new bike. So, I mean, there, there you go. Um, all right. Well, if we look forward to the next quarter, kind of the short-term outlook, what should fleets be expecting? Yeah. So, I think for the rest of 2021, if, if you think about it, given how slow economic data typically evolves, 2022 volumes are pretty much baked in at this point because imports are on order. Industrial production, what's going to get produced is going to get produced. Given backlogs, I'd say volume will stay fairly strong through the rest of 2022. They're just, there's almost no way it suddenly falls off a cliff because barring economic cataclysm, volumes don't suddenly fall off cliffs. Okay. I mean, th- think about the, the backlog in the auto sector, right? Right, right. Inventories to sales are still abysmally low at mm-hmm. motor vehicle and parts dealers. So 2022 volumes, I think, will stay fairly steady. I mean, we're, we're going to, again, have year-over-year gains from last year because manufacturing is doing better. Where we get more uncertain is we start moving into 2023. Okay. Because that's where we don't know, okay, 
will higher interest rates start affecting things? Right. Are we going to have some new variant of COVID come out? What does China's zero COVID policy look like? Um, you know, that, that's where I think there is substantially more uncertainty because we, we don't know how, what are housing starts going to look like next year? Mm -hmm. That's one that's much more of an open question versus this year where it's housing starts are going to remain elevated through 2019 levels because of the pipeline that exists. Okay. Well, what would you, if you were to give advice to fleets on, you know, these are the things over, you know, the rest of 2022 and maybe into 2023, these are what you should keep an eye on. And this, these are the things that are important. So one, diesel is not going down anytime soon. Like you, you need Ouch. to bake in, we're, we're over $5 a gallon diesel for the foreseeable future. Don't you drive uh, a diesel, Stephen? <laughs> he does. <laughs> I was just watching Bloomberg today and some of the oil analysts were saying, you know, right now the bigger concern is actually the, the upside on price because once China's back online, $140, $150 a barrel oil is not out of the question. And we almost tried last week in the recessionary scenario that got baked into the market on Friday and oil still stayed over hundred a barrel. So mm -hmm. you've got a budget for that, which means you now need to start thinking network optimization, finding shippers, you know, preferably that have some degree of stable volume. Doesn't matter if they're a small shipper, if you're a small carrier, but getting that network set up so you've got deadhead absolutely minimized. That is going to be so much more critical over the next 12 months than what it was back 12 months ago, where many carriers were just chasing any the highest spot rate they could get, and they were going mm -hmm. to be fine. Right. So I would say, from that standpoint, um, you know, be very be very cautious. I would also say be very cautious on fleet expansion right now, because equipment, even though it's coming down, is still elevated. We just don't have a picture yet for how much capacity is truly out there. But the one thing I will keep preaching is in the long run, there is no driver shortage. We experienced that in 2019 when capacity overshot demand. All it takes is demand to actually fall a couple percent. And all of a sudden we have a glut of capacity. And so I would say be very cautious about expanding fleet size unless you have anchor shippers that you have good relations with who are in very good position and you know they're going to be expanding operations. So I would say I'd be very hesitant to start adding more capacity because if we just see manufacturing drop 2-3% like it did in 2019, mm -hmm. all of a sudden we have a capacity glut in trucking. All right. Well, is there anything uh, you want to promote yourself or uh, anything you want to add? No, I mean, not, nothing really, really to promote as well. Other than, I mean, you know, what I, I would say is if, you know, you find discussion like this interesting, you know, follow me on LinkedIn. I try to provide sort of a data-driven update as often as I, you know, possibly can just to really, you know, let the data speak for itself because I don't have an agenda here. Other than, I mean, <laughs> right. I, I, I don't. Right. I mean, you don't Michigan, Michigan State's paying me. This is just, <laughs> this is stuff I do, I do for I do for fun and to try to have an impact, but no, just, um, you know, if you like content like this, you know, give me a follow and, uh, you know, you probably won't agree with me all the time. And that's somewhat the point is yeah. try to be as unbiased as possible. 
Well, we really appreciate your data-driven approach. And of course, you provide us a monthly update. So if you haven't, you're watching this and you have not signed up for Jason's monthly update, make sure you do. It is really good. I, I read, I reread through all of them today just so I would have something to add because usually he speaks uh, way over I actually my head. owe you guys <laughs> one for June right now that's on my to-do list the next three months. <laughs> um, well, I think that's about it. We really appreciate you coming back on. We will definitely have you on again, but I know our clients love it when you're on here speaking. So thanks so much, Jason. Yep, thanks for having me.